So hello everyone, uh, good afternoon and uh, welcome to uh, this talk uh, by noted journalist and author uh, Mr. Chandrabhan Prasad. Um, we are here at uh, Asian, Asian American uh, Research Institute CUNY uh, and uh, we are uh, honored uh, to have uh, Mr. Chandrabhan Prasad with uh, us. Uh, so, Mr. Chandraman Prasad has been profiled by New York Times and uh, Washington Post. He has an MPhil from uh, Jawaharlal Nehru University. He is a co-author uh, of uh, the book Defying the Arts, Rise of uh, Dalit Entrepreneurs. Um, he has also authored uh, Dalit Phobia, Why Do They Hate Us, uh, What is Ambedkarism, Dalit Diary, 1999 to 2003. He is editor of uh, Dalit Enterprise magazine. Uh, so the stories that uh, Mr. Prasad tells us are, uh, are uplifting. They tell us uh, the stories of uh, entrepreneurial spirit, education, uh, skills, um, and uh, issues of access to capital, which is uh, which is very important for upliftment of uh, marginalized communities. So I would, uh, you know, I would like to thank uh, Dr. Rampila Narayan Rao uh, and uh, Professor Rajveer Singh for helping uh, coordinate and uh, to help me with to organize this uh, this lecture. And a very special thanks to Anthony Wong at uh, AARI for organizing uh, this talk at a very short notice. Uh, so we thank you all for uh, taking the time out to be here on this Thursday afternoon. And uh, with that, I welcome uh, Mr. Chandrapan Prasad. Thank you, Dr. Shah. Thank you, <coughs> Dr. Rao, Anthony. As far as I can remember, there is no definite meter to measure progress of Dalits. And uh, in particular, at the last decade of the previous century, globalization started became a global phenomena. In the past century, that is the, after constitution, as far as India is concerned, that is the greatest development. But I hardly find any scholarship, either by Dalits or by non-Dalits, on the impact of globalization on rural Dalits. Not even a letter to editor, leave alone books and articles. All Dalit scholarship revolves around Dalits in government jobs, reservation, education, and politics, political mobilization, political process, and in North India, Dalits desire to become a ruling uh, caste and that uh, 
briefly worked in Uttar Pradesh. After that, it shows no sign of Dalit capturing power. I am born in a village in Azamgarh district, the East Uttar Pradesh, and I did my college from my village. There is a college nearby my village. I came to GNU in 1980, got restricted from the university in 83, joined radical movement, went back to the village again and then came back to GNU to finish my MPhil. I have been observing lives of Dalits and uh, a decade and a half back I was in my village visited at another Dalit village to meet a friend and I found plenty of changes uh, going on. It was uh, year 2005 or so. I have been writing on Dalit capitalism and uh, Dalit rights in my columns. Uh, I had a weekly column with the Pioneer newspaper uh, then published from Delhi and Lucknow. Later it was published from Delhi, Lucknow, Bhopal, Rachi, Chandigarh. So I raised a host of issues and uh, I was thinking time and again that migration seems to be a big story emerging. I was invited by Professor Devesh Kapoor, then the head of the Center for the Advanced Study of India, University of Pennsylvania, in the year 2006 for a semester as a visiting scholar. And that's where I proposed to Devesh Kapoor to do a large-scale large scale study of Dalit's well-being post-economic reforms. That came into, uh, the idea came into mind because when I was coming to, to the University of Pennsylvania, my friend Disham Babu asked me to prepare a lecture based on your researches. You keep telling that Dalits are migrating to city, their situation is improving. So I had studied a village nearby my village, a Dalit hamlet, and uh, compared their lives with their immediate past and found that uh, they are doing very well, their food uh, habits have got into caste-neutral uh, food grains, they lived earlier on millets, now they are into wheat and rice, their clothing is change changing, their lifestyle is changing, men, men and women going to local markets are now wearing uh, sandals and chappal slippers. So I read that paper and then Professor Devis, Devis got excited and we decided to do a large scale uh, study of two blocks in Uttar Pradesh. One is Bilariyakan block in Azamgarh district and another one uh, Khurja block of uh, Western Uttar Pradesh. Now Khurja is an independent district. We uh, we surveyed hundred and all the one 
113 villages in Khurja in Western Uttar Pradesh and all the 178 villages uh, in Bleraganj block Azamgarh district and overall we covered 19000 plus dalit uh, families so as i was telling that uh, i wanted to develop a meter to 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 measure the dalit progress we as i, as I had seen in my uh, life in my early childhood the midwives the desi women the women who uh, help other women deliver babies was considered most despised occupation generally the all over they will be called nurses and they are respected a bit here they are not respected because they not only have to help be, uh, deliver baby but they have to do several other uh, things that are considered so dirty for instance the woman would not come out of her uh, place of uh, baby's birth for 12 days so for 12 days her shit will be corrected in a uh, earthen pot and this lady will throw that twice a day will clean the cloth of the newborn will give massage to the mother will do massage to the baby and that's why it is considered most despised and only dalits did that so we asked in uh, that who <coughs> deliver who are the dais for newborns 93.3% dalit families responded in 1990 93.3% only dalits by 2007 this came down to 3.9% a dramatic change then uh, we asked we asked non when non dalits visit dalit homes if you offer them sweets or tea or water how many uh, of uh, how often they accept your hospitality 95.5% said never they never accept our water tea or sweets by 1990 by 2007 19.1% plus said always 53.4% said often that means 72.5% people said always or often uh, we then asked dalit uh, villagers how often are always dalit mortgaged their jewelry to 
Aprakash in the village. By 1990, 75.8% said yes. Always or often, we pledged our jewelry for cash to to landlords. Aprakash. By 90, uh, 2007, this came down to 29.2%, and now. The five villages I have studied is zero percent. We also uh, ask, uh, do does any member of your family work as a landless agricultural laborer in 1990? 76 percent said yes. At least one member worked as a farm laborer. By 2007, the figure came down to 45.6%. We asked, is there any member in your family, is, is your family tied to a landlord as halwa, that is plowman? 32.1% said yes. By 2007, the figure came down to 1.1%. Does your family depend on on a government job? 7.2% said yes, at least one member of the family is to government job. The entire Dalit movement revolves around this 7.2% Dalits who are into government job and Dalits who are likely to get, get into government job are Dalits who are trying to get into government jobs. The entire rest other Dalit masses abandoned by Dalit intellectuals, Dalit politicians, Dalit, uh, <coughs> Dalit uh, <coughs> pro-Dalit uh, politicians and thinkers and scholars and activists. <coughs> we asked what is the engine behind this change we asked, does your family depend on a member migrated to urban centers as factory workers? In the year 1990, 14.5% family said, yes, we depend on a migrant worker. By 2007, the 14.5% figure went up to 50.5%. So that means every second family in a Dalit hamlet had at least one migrant to the to the city. <coughs> By we asked them, does the family live in a pakka house in 1990? 18.1% said yes. By 2007, the figure went up 64.54%. We asked, is the pakka house made by government? 5% in 1990 said yes, 24.7, that is one-fourth said it is government made, three-fourth, uh, I mean one-fourth said, and rest other 75.3% said it is built on our own uh, 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 money, our own uh, earning. So the question is, we asked it, and the question, how are Dalits, are Dalits seated separately during eating at the weddings of non-Dalits sons? 
so they will whatever grains they get in wages they will take that grains and buy salt red chili and turmeric and they will uh, each almost every family grew a goat few chickens that they would sell many families had pigs also that was their main source of uh, uh, cash so much so that while all civilizations had barter system in uttar pradesh in east uttar pradesh even labor was bought by uh, through barter system that means a landlord had uh, would have a permanent labor at his house harwaha charwaha and uh, duwariha harwaha means plowman the man who will plow the land charwaha means the man who take uh, buffaloes and uh, uh, cows to the grazing fields duwariha means the guard the landlord would give them temporary possession of one bigha of land say a uh, little uh, half of an acre a good farmland on which the laborer can uh, take crops of his choice and uh, he would uh, possess that land till he is a regular servant so even labor was bought by land possession that also ended so a new civilization in azamgarh district is evolving where dalits are not now owned by anybody they are free on their own and uh, some of the symptoms of the great uh, revolution that is uh, going on in the countryside post globalization globalization meant interconnectivity of the economy the world over and it resulted massive spread of economy uh, in india industrial production went up india became a forex surplus country foreign exchange surplus country gdp went very high and that attracted millions and millions of workers from the countryside so as a result a new economy is now uh, evolving in the countryside in every dalit hamlet two to three grocery shops have come into being and these grocery shop doesn't mean they sell they sell just spices and uh, salts and turmeric and they even sell cigarettes they sell tooth toothpaste tooth powder birthday party caps it is to me 30 years back i wouldn't even imagine that dalits in villages would be celebrating birthday of their babies and some are even celebrating their own 
marriage anniversaries. <coughs> Dalits are now wearing shoes and slippers when on a trip to a city. The Dalit grooms invariably, grooms of the migrant workers, wear a garland of currency notes. Once currency was too hard to find in Dalit hamlets. I have interviewed 20 professors from all over India, asking few questions to them. Pro when I say professor, that I mean professors, not assistant professor, not associate professors. And they know me through due to my media exposure. I ask them to ask their parents or their uncles or elderly people in their villages that was it possible in 1950 or Sirsa 1950 to get rupees 10 exchanged in your village. 19 out of 20 reported not possible. I asked, could Dalit women, had Dalit women touched gold, gold jewelry or gold from their bare hands, all twenty said, not possible. Did your mother, did your father wear shoes or slippers in his marriage? Not possible. Did your mother come to your uh, father's house using what transport? By foot? Yes, by foot. Some said horse cart, one said by train. So, this, I, I call this change a civilizational, but to Dalit thought leaders, intellectuals, the worst thing that has happened in the past century is globalization because they thought globalization will lead to privatization and uh, they accuse uh, that the because of this globalization rich will become richer poor will become poorer and all the uh, talks Dalit discourse revolves around equality to me, equality is a delusion. Dr. Ambedkar never preferred equality over liberty. He always said liberty, equality, fraternity. And uh, he carried these three slogans into constitution. The other uh, worrying thing about me is to most Dalit intellectuals, Dr. Ambedkar was a socialist or, a, or near socialist. Some even think he was a nearer to Karl Marx. I find Dr. Ambedkar nearer to Adam Smith and not Karl Marx. Consider the ideological situation in the mid-20th century when half of the world has almost turned red, 
सोवियत यूनियन इमर्ज एज ए सुपर पावर विद रेड फ्लैग्स ए रिवोल्यूशन अकर्ड इन चाइना पीपुल एट दैट टाइम वेर टेम्पटेड बाय द स्लोगन ऑफ कम्युनिज्म इक्वालिटी एट दैट पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम अंबेडकर रोट हिज पार्टीज मैनिफेस्टो फॉर द नाइनटीन लोकसभा इलेक्शन वेर इन हिज मैनिफेस्टो डॉक्टर अम्बेडकर से प्राइवेट प्रॉपर्टी विल बी द फंडामेंटल राइट हु कुड एट द हाइट ऑफ कम्युनिस्ट आइडियोलॉजी हु कुड से दैट प्राइवेट प्रॉपर्टी विल बी फंडामेंटल राइट एंड ही वुड प्रीफिक्स लिबर्टी बिफोर इक्वालिटी एंड ही एडवोकेटेड इन हिज मैनिफेस्टो दैट इंडिया शुड ज्वाइन द अमेरिकन कैंप एंड नॉट द सोशलिस्ट कैंप नॉट द कम्युनिस्ट कैंप येट मोस्ट दलित स्कॉलर्स थिंक दैट अंबेडकर वॉज ए नियर कम्युनिस्ट एंड आई डोंट ब्लेम देम बिकॉज बिकॉज द एडिटर्स ऑफ अंबेडकर वॉलूम पब्लिश्ड हिज मोस्ट इम्पॉर्टेंट पीस ऑफ राइटिंग टाइटिल्ड एज शेड्यूल्ड कास्ट इमेंसिपेशन ड्राफ्ट मैनिफेस्टो द ओनली पेपर ही रोट दैट वॉज टाइटिल्ड शेड्यूल्ड कास्ट दैट इज दलित इमेंसिपेशन ड्राफ्ट मैनिफेस्टो दिस वॉज हिज वन ऑफ द लेटेस्ट राइटिंग बट पब्लिश्ड इन सेवेंटींथ वॉल्यूम ऑफ अम्बेडकर नॉट इन फर्स्ट सेकेंड थर्ड फोर्थ फिफ्थ सेवेंटींथ वॉल्यूम एंड सीनियर दलित हुर डूइंग पी एच डीज इन यूनिवर्सिटीज दे डिन गेट टू रीड दिस द स्टेट एंड रिवोल्यूशन द अल्टरनेट कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन डॉक्टर अम्बेडकर रोड वेन ही थॉट ही इज नॉट गोइंग टू elected into the constituent assembly so he gave a memorandum to pandit jawaharlal nehru where he talked of state socialism and that was published in first volume that was published in first volume and the first volume was published in 1970 bamse was made in 1978 so dalit intellectuals read that first volume states and minorities where he spoke of uh, 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 state socialism and then they concluded that uh, uh, ambedkar was a socialist the 17th volume came uh, was published in english in 2002 and it took another few years for the volume to be available uh, all over india in english and and much later maybe a decade later it became available in regional languages so dalits could not access ambedkar's latest writing uh, of 19 november 1951 where he gave his ideology he says the farming in india will be completely mechanized what kind of uh, ideology this is is it a socialism or uh, 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 capitalism He says farming will be done on large scale farms. 
and then finally he says we'll do farming on a cooperative basis he says wherever private sector is is needed we will have private sector we will allow private sector wherever government sector is needed we will allow government sector so he wanted private sector and government sector both to compete with each other and uh, nehru followed his uh, ideological uh, position put he think into action and a huge public sector came up in india uh, ntpc bharat petroleum hindustan petroleum and steel authority of india limited all big heavy industries and 250 plus public sector companies came into being that were more corporate american corporate type in nature than the indian capitalists that were family owned businesses barring few tatas and godrej and all that so ambedkar was read wrongly by dalit scholars and that is the reason that uh, after ambedkar dalits could not achieve uh, any uh, any milestone and whatever rights they had got uh, is now slowly and slowly uh, uh, going away from dalit's hands so uh, my uh, <laughs> i am deeply worried that the dalit scholarship does not seriously consider or confront the the idea of people about ambedkar he said an elision of caste will be his goal his followers said consolidation of caste will be their method of destroying caste so most people who think they are ambedkarites are in fact they are closer to periyar than ambedkar and uh, to dalit scholarship is not at all worried on the dalit underclass and the dalits living in villages except when an atrocity occurs so to my mind india today the capitalism is confronting with caste and already a class formation is happening even in the countryside and um, baba sahab ambedkar says caste and class are immediate neighbors and endogamy things end thank you sir for inviting me to this uh, prestigious place thank you uh, thank you uh, mr prasad i think uh, it is uh, very uh, uh, yeah i guess very profound uh, your longitudinal study uh, we have seen some of these things over the years anecdotally but for you to document it so thoroughly i think uh, it is a great uh, service and uh, yeah and uh, your argument is uh, is uh, is really new and uh, yeah it is great so um, you know this kind of reminds me of uh, some things in my own village in telanga right uh, in the 50s my father tells me when he was growing up uh, if you were uh, going in front of the landlord's house you had to carry your slippers in your shoulder yes <laughs> and uh, if you had a newspaper mm. he would call you inside and scold you mm. 
and uh, taunt you. Mm. So you are trying to study, you are trying to become uh, something in life, uh, mm. what do you think? Mm. And uh, now if you see, uh, you know, uh, his uh, progeny, his son, they have land in the village. Mm. Uh, but uh, they are uh, they were run by tenant farmers for some time. Now it is uh, in uh, in Andhra and Telangana. It is hard to find even tenant farmers. Mm. So they are uh, putting uh, mango farms. Mm. They are putting mango farms, and uh, sometimes labor comes from uh, neighboring states. Mm. So even in uh, you know our community, mm. uh, they have tractors, and they are hiring uh, you know seasonal uh, labor. Mm. And uh, they were once, uh, you know, like Badwa Mazdur to the landlord, and uh, later with land reforms they got the land. So we, uh, yeah, so we have, uh, you know, seen. Sir, uh, sir, let me add one thing, and I think that may, might be story in your village as well. There is a cattle called bullock that has completely disappeared from North India. Yeah. Uh, Fifty years back, forty years back, thirty years back, farming in India meant bullocks, ploughs and Dalit. Uh, insofar as the connection between Dalits and landlords are concerned. OBCs also had bullock, plough and land themselves, bullock, plough, land, Dalit. The chain has broken. Bullocks have disappeared because there is nobody to take care of them. So tractors have replaced and now harvesters have come into being to harvest uh, uh, wheat and now even paddy because there is no worker available. So the loss of workers to cities have, has made elderly workers in villages important. Hello uncle, please can you, can you come and work at my farm? Hello uncle, can you take my land uh, on a sharecropping basis? So these fundamental changes post-economic reforms, post-globalization has uh, not been noticed by the Dalit uh, scholarship. Yeah, I think that is a significant uh, point. Uh, I think people are uh, kind of beholden to old uh, tropes of yeah. thinking. And, yeah. uh, you know, predominance of, uh, you know, communist parties and uh, communist ideology in the 50s. Yes. I think we are somehow uh, beholden uh, to that. Yeah, so in, uh, actually in my work on uh, Telangana, which is what, uh, you know, I did my PhD in and I published uh, my book as well. Uh, so the, for Telangana movement also, this kind of uh, breakdown of uh, you know, traditional uh, caste roles in uh, villages played a role in uh, popular mobilization. So I went to villages and I was talking to people and uh, you know, the feudalism in Telangana has been an issue. Back in the 40s, we know there was this anti-feudal struggle. Uh, but uh, yeah, now when I go and I speak, they were telling me that uh, now uh, you know people sit together, you know, former landlords, and we we just sit together and talk. So we don't have that kind of uh, tension in uh, villages. And largely, you know, landlords had left the villages, and then uh, slowly the younger generation was also moving to cities. 
and uh, this kind of helped uh, build uh, solidarity among uh, you know, local villagers in uh, in favor of uh, the movement as well. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I I noted uh, you know uh, your uh, saying that uh, a lot of the conversations center around the government jobs. Yes. Yeah. And in politics. Yeah, in politics. Yes. And uh, yeah, and I have, uh, you know, I had a teacher, uh, Mr. Tiruman at uh, Professor Tiruman at uh, Hyderabad University. Mm. He had a similar criticism. He was saying that, uh, you know, people are behaving like we are animals of the state. Mm. You know, so the only thing that concerns is, uh, is uh, you know, government job. Mm. So, uh, so in this, you know, age of uh, globalization and privatization. Liberalization. Uh, how do you see that uh, playing out? You know, I have uh, studied a factory in Ghaziabad near Delhi. Uh, entrepreneur I knew for past ten years. I had an accidental meeting in a lunch somewhere. He manufactures pre-school bags. The little kids carry that bags to their pre-school classes. He has 31 women workers that stitch those bags. Main workers cut cloths, design it, women stitch it. Out of 31 women, 17 are upper castes. So, I asked them, what your husband does? He is a factory worker. Some would say he is a driver. Someone would say he is a security guard. Where do you live? We live in very ordinary houses. They would not say slums. Some would say slums. I asked them, Do your, does your husband wear sacred thread? No. So once a matter of pride, the sacred thread, has become a burden to upper caste. They are shy of uh, wearing sacred th thread and working in a factory. So they, they dump that, those sacred threads. In another way, they are dumping their caste. That's the finest thing that could happen in the past 3000 years. Yet it has not caught attention of the thinkers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, intermarriages are uh, another uh, important factor. I think there is. Well, I, I am very. Uh, some people feel very offended. I spoke last week at uh, Boston study group and said. 
you know my heart gladdens when i hear a <laughs> honor killing involving a involving a dalit they were horrified the audience mr prasad you feel gladdened a dalit is dying killed i i said i never thought that a dalit man would become so much in demand that upper caste would, woman would run after him and marry if in a village a dalit a, a brahmin woman or upper caste woman has eloped with a dalit youth and both are killed by the parents of the girl that's the honor killing again in the same village if another upper caste woman is fleeing with a dalit that means 10 more might have thought so but because fearing death and their own murder they might have not eloped a politician in tamil nadu has said on record in a press conference you can google and find it dalit should dalit youths should be banned from wearing t-shirt sunglasses sporting sunglasses wearing t-shirts jeans and sandals why because our women are running after uh, with them running away with them so this is the this is what uh, i never thought in my lifetime that un- an untouchable would be so much would get so much in demand that despite death prospects some upper caste women are marrying dalits dalits yeah. yeah so in uh, my village you know this summer when i went there uh, you know my parents were also telling me in our uh, relations extended relations there are uh, several uh, intermarriages young people are studying and uh, young people work sometimes together and uh, they they get uh, married and uh, you know uh, obc to sc sometimes uh, upper caste also and uh, and uh, these marriages have uh, become acceptable the family members aren't uh, opposing them as much as uh, they may have done in the past yes yes so this is india 2023 yeah what will be india by 2050 What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, caste—it uh, is too stupid to say that caste will end by 2050, because like Delhi's old fort, caste will be also there. I went to Delhi's old old fort. It is inoperational. It is in ruins. It can't speak. it is deep and dumb but it is there so caste is there it will be deep dumb can't see in operational but it will be there yeah yeah but it also seems to be reemerging in political discourse that will be there for some time yeah that will be there for some time you know before as it is said in north india 
before a flame dies, it, uh, it uh, how do I say, it brightens even more before it ends. So that is the stage we are in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, recently, uh, you know, there was a, you know there was a election rally in uh, Telangana, and uh, there is a, there has been a movement for subcategorization of uh, you know Dalits. Uh, there are uh, yeah some communities uh, you know, like Madiga community, which is equivalent to you know Jata or uh, Cobbler community and uh, they want a separate category uh, yeah, to subdivide uh, the reservations and, uh, and uh, you know, Prime Minister Modi went there last week and he extended support to, uh, uh, yeah, to this uh, issue. Um, so what do you think would be, uh, you know, what do you think of something like that if, if you have been following? See. It has already been done in Punjab. Punjab has the highest proportion of Dalit population in, in any state of India, 33%. Now it is vertically split. So Punjab has, uh, Dalit in Punjab have, have lost their political power. About sub-categorization, in every state there are one or two main Dalit castes. In North India there are Chamars followed by Pasi or Paswan nearby. In Andhra Pradesh or Telangana it is uh, Malas and Madhigas. In Maharashtra it is Mahars and uh, uh, rest others. Madhiga, so Mala, Mahar, Chamar in North are the main Ambedkarite castes. These castes have undergone massive social reform. So the castes that got associated with Ambedkar also got associated with social reforms and they progressed much uh, faster and greater. The castes that did not associate with Ambedkar and therefore did not undergo social reforms have fallen back or ha have not progressed as much as uh, uh, Malaj, for instance, in Tamil Nadu, in Andhra and uh, Telangana. So it makes a good sense for a politician to, uh, to do his politics without telling his constituency that you must undergo these many social reforms. So in every Chamar house I see in, uh, in North India, Ambedkar poster put up in Hindi and at the top of the poster, educate, agitate, organize. Tell us any great man in North India whose first slogan to his follower is educate yourself or go to school. So uh, Pasis uh, in North India, Madhigas in uh, uh, Telugu uh, country and other similar caste in other states did not get 
that slogan educate yourself yeah yeah so i think uh, anthony you had a question oh well there's no question about lying it oh, might okay. tie into just what you answered uh, yes. has this transformation occurred all over the country uniformly and if not then maybe some pockets are large swath untouched by this revolution yeah, so the question is, uh, how has this transformation affected uh, the whole country? Uh, so the questioner wants to know if it's uh, been uniform across the country. I can't say across the country, but he's mentioning something similar in his uh, Telangana country, because I have studied only Uttar Pradesh, and in-depth study only eastern Uttar Pradesh, eastern part of uh, Uttar Pradesh, Hindi heartland. So it is happening there to make it an all India uh, thing one has to study, few pockets in South India, few pockets in Western India, few pockets in Central India. Yes, sir. I can't say it's a pan-India phenomenon. My, my own question is, uh, have you been keeping up with sort of the uh, ban on caste movement that's happening in the United States? And then, uh, you know, recently in Seattle, they did pass a law banning caste, and then uh, the, the bill was vetoed in California recently. I have not much followed it, but I have just heard that it's happening. So it's, it's happening. It is also because of globalization. Globalization has made caste matter even in North America and it is going to spread anti-caste uh, such things in Europe also very soon. In less than a year or so, it will become a big factor in, in England. Sorry, I was uh, a little bit late, but um, there was a sort of a, uh, it seemed like there's been a, a leveling in the rural areas where people are coming together in different castes. Has there, and, and other people are going to the city, so have people been in the rural areas, is there sort of like a movement or a division between sort of like urban elites and rural areas and sort of like people in rural areas coming together to advocate for better infrastructure, for example, and things like that? Has there been sort of like a, a more common movement rather than sort of a caste-based movement? Has that been happening? There is no movement as such. Mm -hmm. It was all uh, economics. You know, as, uh, as I move around in uh, villages for the past three uh, years now and uh, for past two, two years in 2007, uh, eight, uh, seven, eight, nine for Devesh Kapoor's study. You know, from industrial centers such as Chicago, uh, India Chicago, uh, Chicago of 20s, 30s, there were boats hanging on factory gates. We need workers. 
सो सम वर्कर्स वर्किंग विद इन दोज फैक्ट्रीज बिकेम लेबर एजेंट सो दे वुड गो बैक टू देयर एरियाज फर्स्ट दे विल ब्रिंग देयर रिलेटिव्स एंड पुट देम इन सेपरेट फैक्ट्रीज दे वुड गो एंड ब्रिंग टेन पीपुल कीप देम समवेयर एज एंड वेन डिमांड केम दे वुड चार्ज मनी फ्रॉम द फैक्ट्री ओनर हाफ सैलरी एंड हाफ सैलरी फ्रॉम द मैन दे हैव ब्रॉट सम अरेंजमेंट्स वुड अकर सो इट वॉज ए इकोनॉमिक इट वॉज ए बिजनेस एक्सपेंशन दैट ब्रॉट वर्कर्स फ्रॉम कंट्री साइड टू इंडस्ट्रियल सिटीज बट नॉट एनी मोमेंट बिकॉज वॉट यूर मोमेंट दलित हैव दे हैव ओनली पोलिटिकल मोमेंट to capture power to win seats in assembly parliament this happened on its own in a very natural fashion yeah yeah so i think uh, to talk about uh, you know your uh, your question i think it is a very interesting question and uh, uh, so i would say a bit of that we observed in the telangana movement Uh, after globalization there was you know lot of investment coming into hyderabad city mm-hmm. and the city was uh, transforming it became like you know very elite city with lot of information technology they were buying a uh, lot of agricultural lands and in the rural uh, hinterland you know yeah, there was this breakdown of uh, you know old uh, caste system uh, and then uh, one of the things about the movement was the, that the villages wanted them and they thought everything was just going into the city and they had to unite and uh, yeah take some of that back so in in a sense globalization has sped up the breakdown of, of the caste system in you you would you would sort of say that yeah. as a, as a natural occurrence yeah. you know i first felt it during study for devesh kapoor and uh, new york times has profiled me uh, washington post has also profiled me their correspondents have gone to my village they have stayed in my house to check if whatever i am saying is correct or not so in an in another interview they profiled me in 2010 in 2011 i was interviewed by new york times for something happening in india so i said caste is replacing class is replacing caste india is undergoing a change where classes are replacing caste and that i interview was long but that one one sentence was taken by new york times on their page 2 quotation of the day and many many say that maybe you, you are the first indian to be taken on the quotation of the day page page 2 so now i have enough evidence that by 2050 castes uh, will have gone castes castes will have stopped impacting dalit lives in any manner that's why i'm saying that uh, it is a battle between adam smith and lord krishna 
you know bhagavad gita is all about caste every caste should maintain its swadharma that is the entire message of bhagavad gita or it is a battle between ambedkar and Manu, mr manu 